Good morning, everyone. Welcome to day six of the 7 a.m. Novelist 50-Day Writing Challenge, first draft edition. It is Sunday. I don't even know what my hair is doing. I just woke up. You can probably hear it in my voice. What we, what I do like is that Tracy Palmer's sweatshirt mashes her walls, and so I'm excited about that. So I'm Michelle Hoover, your host, and today we're talking about how to stay in your writing chair. We've got Tracy on. We're still waiting for Belle Brett. We were having some technical issues with her. So if she, if someone else's face pops up, that's Belle and we'll get her involved in the discussion. Um, so Tracy is a professional writer and editor and founder of Palmer Communications. She completed Grub Street's Novel Incubator Program. That's the program I teach at Grub Street in 2016 and serves as co-editor and writer for the group's blog, Dead Darlings. She's won residencies at Salty Quill Writers Retreat in Maine in the Virginia Center for the Creative Arts. The Texas League of Writers named her first unpublished novel a finalist in its manuscript competition. And that's actually a very tough um, manuscript competition. Her second novel, A Live Day, I've read both of these books, I love them. Her second novel, A Live Day, is a character-driven literary drama that gives voice to the untold story of female veterans in America. All right, Tracy, we're going to get you going, and then maybe we'll find Belle along the way. <laughs> but Tracy, I know you've gone some through some stumbles and some triumphs in terms of your writing process, in terms of your book process, and just getting yourself back in the chair and basically keeping the faith about doing it. Um, tell us some of the methods that you've used or some of the ways that you've used to, to get yourself there? Yeah, I think um, the butt in the chair advice that we all hear about is, is a nice saying, but it doesn't always just solve the problem, right? Yeah. Um, and I think the first thing to, to do is like sit down and take your writing seriously and take yourself as a writer seriously and then realize that it takes a certain amount of time and it takes a certain amount of space and it has to be a priority and you have to make it a priority and sometimes that's really hard um i'm a mom i have a full-time job um and a spouse and all that goes with all of that and sometimes we can't just say see ya i'm going to be writing for you know <laughs> five hours um but it's, it's sometimes it's finding a balance and it takes a while to figure that out sometimes. Um, I think eliminating distractions is a, a good first step in figuring out what your distractions are. I know a lot of people get distracted by social media or the, uh, you know, the TV or the dishes or what, what your friends want you to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so figure out what your distractions are and then, you know, tell yourself, okay, today I'm writing, I'm not responding to any of those things, you know, or whatever those are. Mm -hmm. um, and telling even people around you, um, your husband, it might be your kids, depending on how old they are. Um, it might be friends or something. Tell them I'm working today. Yeah. And when I was, when I started writing fiction, I think my my youngest was like three and that was a long time ago but uh, you know by now they know like if I'm sitting on that couch with my laptop like if they know if I'm writing that they understand that and everybody gives me the space and time but you have to tell them and you have to let them yeah. know like this is important this is not just a hobby you can't just come over and ask me to make you a grilled cheese you know <laughs> 
<laughs> hey mom, can you take a break and make me a grilled cheese? Yeah. So, no. you know, you have to let them know. You have to say, look, this is very serious to me and this is what it takes. And it might look like I'm not doing anything sometimes. <laughs> In fact, I had a an instance last month where I had this really tough problem that I was of plot that I really, really needed to figure out in my head. And it wasn't anything I had to write down. I had to figure it out. And I literally think I sat on that couch for like four hours and I look, was look like looking off in the distance, you know, but I was forced myself to say, I'm not leaving this room until I figure this out. And people, family kept walking by and they kind of were like, are you all right? Like, (laughs) you know, and sometimes that's what writing is. You're just sitting and like, you know, processing through. Yeah. Um, And so don't beat yourself up if you're not putting words on the page. I think sometimes it has to be words on page. I have to put words on page, you know, if you're generating. Yeah. But still, I think sometimes it's just staring off in the distance and processing, um, problems and plot and character and hearing the voices in your head and letting, listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that, is that I mean, something you do? Absolutely. <laughs> just well, me? <laughs> no, I do it too. And I, and I tell people that I actually do it as a way to fall asleep. I have like a problem in my head, a, a novel problem in my head and um, like a little puzzle. And I fall asleep trying to figure that out. And I told that to another writer once and he was just horrified. He's like, how do you ever get to sleep? And the thing is, I do think of them as like puzzles. And I always know that the puzzle has a solution. I know that all the pieces will all eventually be there. So for me, it's just kind of a nice way to um, get my mind off of other things, actually. I mean, our novels are the only thing or our books are the only thing that we can control in this world, really. (laughs) Um, So it's kind of nice to go there and not go to other places. I'm one of the people who does that before I fall asleep too. I like, I feel like that's the quietest that my brain is where other things aren't, you know, competing for my attention. Yes. Not always good for your sleep, but (laughs) I think it works for me. It works. Um, for people in our chat, because um, we do have quite a few others who listen to this recording afterwards, we've got about 200 people um, registered for uh, the webinars overall. And I know a lot of people listen afterwards, and we've got more than 600 people on Substack. So I would love to hear from folks um, in the chat if you have particular ways that you stay in your chairs to particular tricks that you use, um, that would be wonderful. And you can also ask questions in the Q&A. Oh, Patty also falls asleep thinking about her stories. Excellent. I think it's just a nice meditative thing. (laughs) Um, And even if you can't figure it out, you know that you're gonna be able to figure out. Um, So some other ideas um, we've talked about. So this is the whole idea of burrowing that we talked about yesterday of trying to get yourself into like that mental place because sometimes it can be really difficult with all these other things going on. Um, Grace Toulouse yesterday said that she actually she, she'll work with like a scarf around her or a hat around her, like a physical a hood, yes, yeah. <laughs> a hood yeah. to get herself in that place, which I love because um, sometimes we can't have a room um, and we can't have that space. And I also like um, I used to always think, oh, I can only write in quiet. I can only write in my own space. And then I started to force myself going to um, to cafes to work and writing there just to get myself used to the noise and it was it was great I was able to transition I had to do kind of other things 
Um, but it was, but there's some days I'm like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And when everyone else is working around me, it kind of gets me working. Um, and of course you might have someone at the table next to you freaking out about, you know, their boyfriend or girlfriend, and maybe you might have to move away from that, or you can use it <laughs> for material. Um, just be careful of copyright issues. Um, <laughs> other things. So like for early morning like this, um, I know one of our students, John McClure, I told him about this idea and he started doing it. I think I am not normally an early morning writer. And I started this as an early morning thing because I know that most people are early morning writers. So I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll give in to that. Um, however, right when I wake up, I'm still in this dream state. And there have been times when I will go and take a notebook or my laptop or something, and without doing anything else, no washing of face, no toothbrushing, no checking phone, nothing. And I go sit in a chair, I set a timer for 30 minutes and I start to write for 30 minutes. And I don't even know what I'm gonna write, but I just type. Um, and the interesting thing is that I'm still in a dream space then, I am really not awake. Um, and so you really wanna go directly from your bed to do this. And, and that, in that way, your inhibitions aren't awake either. Um, and so I've come up with some very special um, material doing that and also being able to get through some blocks doing that. Um, we've also talked about timed writing. So setting a timer, you know, this was for 30 minutes, but you can set, you can do several uh, timed writing uh, things throughout your day. So work for 45 minutes. And it kind of forces you like, oh, wait, my timer hasn't gone up, or I can't check this, or I can't get up and go to the bathroom, or I can't, you know, I have to work for these 45 minutes. And then you take a 10 minute break. And so you do that sort of time writing over and over and over again, that can be really helpful. Um, and similar to the early morning writing, um, setting a timer can be very helpful and forcing yourself when you set the timer, however long it is, maybe it's only for 15 minutes, but not letting your fingers stop as they're typing. Those fingers keep going. No matter if you are type, you might type out, oh my God, I don't know what to write today. I'm so tired, I need a donut. Or, oh my God, you know, um, I'm so stressed out, I should be doing something else. Sometimes it's necessary to write those things out because um, eventually they'll go away, the law of diminishing returns, and they'll go away and you can get back into something. So I highly recommend just allow, like if that's what's happening in your head, get those things on the page, but always try to reset, okay, get back to like whatever scene or whatever book idea, whatever character. Um, and as you are typing, don't fix anything because you're gonna have tons of misspellings, you're gonna have repeated words, you're gonna, if you're, if you're using Microsoft Word or something like that, you're gonna have red marks or however, however it marks grammar problems all over the page. So what I'll oftentimes do is I will turn down my um, screen to black practically um, so that I can't see it. And that way I can't edit. And I just force myself to keep typing. Um, if I'm working in a cafe, I've also sometimes just stared off into space or stared off at like the clock on the wall and typed and not looked at my um, screen at all. And that can be frightening for other people in the cafe sometimes, but um, it's not my problem. Um, writing with someone else, um, either on Zoom or making an appointment with them um, in person, because if you don't have the chutzpah that day to get work done, they might. Um, and you're kind of holding each other accountable and you can be like, well, I can write for at least an hour. And Grace Toulousen again was talking about that yesterday. 
with her writing partner. It sounded like they woke up like every morning and did an hour sprint, which is incredible. Any kind of accountability partner that you can use to say, I did an hour today. I did this many pages today. I did this many words today. I worked on the scene today. Um, that can be very useful to you too. And then there's some other things like um, remembering why you're doing this in the first place. I mean, Tracy, how you've been working on this phenomenal book and you've <laughs> hit some really stupid <laughs> thoughts about it. So one of her readers basically said, books about bad mothers don't sell. <laughs> and I just, which is absolutely infuriating, first of all, because it's not true. Um, I actually, I said, Tracy, like, I think the next day after she told me that, I read an article about novels about bad mothers. And there were all these novels that had done really well. I mean, how do you get yourself to believe again in that book and that idea? Because that's also about staying in your chair. How do you, how did you get yourself back to that excitement place? Yeah. Um, I, yes. And you're, the instant you're talking about is that is when I had to break up with my agent. Um, when, Power move, care. power move. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it took a while for me to figure out that we weren't the right fit any longer. Um, and I had, I had so much belief in this book. Um, and I knew I wasn't going to give up on it. I just didn't know how I was going to move forward, you know, um, and feel good about it and excited about it again. And, um, you know, it took me a while to, you know, sort of lick my wounds, you know, and feel like, oh, maybe I, you know, I knew I wasn't going to give up. I just didn't know how to, how to move forward. Um, and I think, one was that I had just had such a strong belief in in the book and the story and and that I wanted it told. But two, I think it was community for me. Yeah. Um, and if you don't have a writing community, get one. <laughs> like, um, or at least a friend or a partner or someone who you can sort of, they can talk you through. And I talk to a lot of people in the in the novel incubator and Grub Street community and just, you know, hearing their stories and you'd be surprised how many people have broken up with their agent and how many people have moved on to get a new one and start, you know, and everyone was very encouraging and talked me through how to move forward. And I think turning to um, writing community and partners, it can be really, really helpful. Um, yes. In, hearing their stories also, you know? Yeah, so, and, and the Novel Incubator Program, we only take 10 students a year, though right now we have about 120 people because we've been running for several years, but Grub Street has other organizations, other groups. Um, I'm, I am seeing that people are, are connecting here on the 7 a.m. Novelist, um, which is fantastic. And then you've also, we also have several people from the London Writers Salon, um, which I'm excited about too. And I actually haven't written with the London Writers Salon yet, but I'm going to because I've been living half the year in Cyprus. And so I think their, their timing will be very, very good for me. Okay, we have Belle Brett has joined us has solved the technical problems. Yay, oh, Belle. Oh, too early in the morning to have technical problems. I am so sorry. I, no, I, no I, problem, I, no problem. Okay, so <laughs> Belle is also a graduate of Grub Street. She was in our first year. And her novel, Genia, sorry, 
Gina in the Floating World, which is a gritty and sexy coming of age novel in 1981 Tokyo, was called by Kirka's Reviews a sharply observed and unforgettable debut. Um, it was chosen as the Sartan Book Awards finalist in contemporary fiction and a Benjamin Franklin Awards silver medalist in best new voice in fiction. When not making or writing art, Belle can be found working on her blog, which is about downsizing, which I thought was interesting. It's called Our Slow Downsizing Stories, Story, Saving the Journey Bit by Bit. Welcome, Belle. So, Belle, we've just gone through some, um, some just tricks and methods and also talking to Tracy about how she got excited again about her book when sometimes other people tell you that it's not worth it. I think I saw someone in the chat um, say that the, their boss just outright told them that no one, no one is going to be interested. Yeah, Anne, you poor thing. Um, <laughs> um, no one's going to be interested in a book like that. And I've heard other people say, well, why would someone read a book like that? Or no one would be interested in the book. Like that. That's just one person. Um, and it doesn't really have anything to, to do with you. And there, there can also be a lot of privileged bias with that, um, that people, um, some people think that every book needs to be to their taste um, when it doesn't. Um, what you're really looking at is what is the person's intention for their book um, and how well are they carrying out that intention? So Belle, talk to us. What are some of your tricks and what are some of the things that you have done to get yourself back in your chair or to stay in your chair? Okay, so of course I missed what uh, Tracy said, but um, so I have a few things that that I do uh, uh, when I've sort of been actively working on on, on my novel. Uh, one of them is I, um, from a previous day, I try to leave something hanging, so I don't finish a scene. I'll oh. I'll I'll work up to a certain point. I'll make a few notes, and that way when I come back. Um, there's something I know I want to get into that's that's a little easy because I've already given myself a lead in. Um, so that's one thing I do. Another thing I do is uh, I allow myself time, um, particularly whether I've been away from it from a day or two or even just for there yesterday, I'll go back a few pages and I'll allow myself to tinker. So it's kind of super easy. It's like I'm sort of editing, even though I know I may be getting rid of the whole thing. Uh, but it gets me back into the thinking about the writing and to seeing where I'm at. I have a terrible memory. So I don't always even remember what I've written the day before. So that helps yeah. get me get back in the mode. And usually once my key fingers are on the keys, I'm okay. I, I can start to write again. And uh, a third thing I do is, I you know, like most of us who write um, and, and are into our novels and are excited about it, we're thinking about it a lot all the time. So um, when I'm, you know, out taking a walk or whatever, I'm thinking about a character or a scene or, or a piece of the plot or something I've been stuck on. And then when I come home, even though it's not writing time, I'll make a few notes so that I have something that I'm, again, excited to get down to. And I think, <clears throat> and I think that is work time. I mean, we talked the first day with Kelly Ford about um, Goethe's um, idea of "do not hurry, do not rest." Um, I remember I told that to Chris, Chris Castellani once, and he was horrified. Like, "But you got to rest." But it's 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 a different kind of rest. Like, you can take a walk, you can be taking a shower, you can do other things, but your mind is always on this creative act. Because again, it's all yours. It's the only thing that's all yours. So how fun to be able to go there 
and to try to solve issues with that and ignore maybe everything else, <laughs> political stuff and all sorts of stuff, just that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And so, so Belle, you also talked about going back into your um, book and rereading certain parts. And I highly recommend it, particularly parts that you really like, parts that you've got right. And go back, I reread there's sometimes very few parts like that in a book, but sometimes there's many. Um, and so going back there and uh, rereading those parts to know, to remind yourself, I can do this. I've got it in me to do this, right? That's right. I, Gene uh, uh, has got quite a few uh, sexy bits in it, as, as you alluded to in, in right? the intro. And so, and I think I did a really good job writing a lot of those scenes. So sometimes that can be very stimulating <laughs> to go back and, and when I was writing on working on that one to, to read those scenes that I felt pretty good about and get excited in a different way, I guess. Yeah, so the stuff that you're good at and to remind yourself, how can I, how can, so maybe, maybe I'm particularly talented in this, in writing this kind of scene um, how can I carry that through to other things in the book and hit that same sort of um, uh, vibe or feeling or or type of scene somewhere else in the book that can make it can make it work and to get me excited again about it? Yeah, I share want to share some an idea that um, I have a, a number of writing friends I talk to, and one of them said one thing she does when she's stuck or needs to be stimulated she. She has a book of poetry she uh, keeps by her side and she looks through it and she finds that sometimes stimulates things in her unconscious so that that gets her going again when she's feeling a little bit stuck or not able to start. Yeah. And how about even jumping to a different project? I mean, there are times when you will get completely stuck and you might need to just jump into a different project. During the pandemic, I was actually working on three different books because my mind I know Tracy's horrified by that. I can't there's a lot imagine. Of I do. There's a I lot can't. of things I do that people are horrified by, but but I, um, you know, I was again. I was living in a foreign country. I didn't know anyone there. I didn't know we couldn't meet anybody. Um, it was just me and my husband, and he was off at work. And so I think I needed my mind to have enough work in my head um, to do to do that sort of stuff. I mean, um, one thing that that I do. Um, I can't imagine working on another project um, that would, I, my brain's not big enough, but, but I do, when I do get stuck, I find that um, writing with a pen and paper um, uses a different part of your brain and it's a more creative part. And I also, uh, you know, you're not looking at the keyboard and the blank page, um, but sometimes I'll just start writing dialogue by hand um, and you can't really edit yourself so much. I mean, you can cross out, but you just keep writing and writing and especially dialogue for some reason um, gets, I let the characters just talk and see where they're going and what, you know what I mean? I just, you just can hear their voices better and sometimes they'll tell you where the story should go. So when I, sometimes when I get stuck, I just take out the notebook and start writing by hand and, and um, listening to them, uh, you know. Um, another thing I do, and uh, I don't know where I read this, but um, if I get stuck, I'll just start asking myself, what if? Yes. Um, you know, what if I had the characters do this? 
or what, how, how about if I have them do the exact opposite of what I was thinking they would do, then what would happen? Like, sometimes that can be exciting to like open up the possibilities. Don't, don't get stuck in like, maybe this is my plot line and I have to stick with it, you know? Um, so just, I don't know if you ever tried that. I've tried that. It's, it can be, oh, it's great. I think there's, I think there's a whole writing book called what if actually, right? Probably um, where I read it. and, um, so also doing some writing that won't, won't necessarily make its way into the book. Right. Um, Cause I think some people are like, well, I have to have this many words in order to get to, and that can really be a blocking thing. Right. So sometimes if you're having trouble with a character, I mean, oftentimes if you're having a trouble with a character opening up and I always have trouble with characters opening up because most of my characters are Midwesterners because um, I'm from the Midwest and we're all terribly repressed or at least my experience. Um, getting them in the chair with like a bossy therapist um that's yelling at them and and, and that i that's probably not material you're going to use in the book itself because there are way too many therapy scenes in books that aren't done very well um but it can get your character talking and you can get them you to figure out like even pivotal scenes in their lives get to figure out what's really going on with them um I've also heard the trick of having your character write a letter to their mother, um, <laughs> which can, again, be very revealing. Um, that would be in first person and that you can still use that for a third person book. Again, just getting your character kind of to wake up on the page um, can be helpful. And just to get yourself writing something um, can be really helpful. Let's see, I'm going through the chat. Um, Judith says she leaves her house at 8 a.m. and goes to a public space, not near any stores of interest. <laughs> yeah, going to a different place. If you're really stuck, go to somewhere else, go to somewhere else. And you can be like, well, no, you know, I need quiet, I need this, I need that. Um, I just challenge yourself to go to a different place. You um, know, I, so I would want yeah. to add to that. Um, um, uh, one of my writer friends goes to the library and one of the things you can do, of course, you could put on sound canceling headphones if you really want the distractions and everybody says be sure and maybe you talked about this, make sure you do not have your phone on or nearby and do not go to the Internet. I think those kinds of distractions uh, when you're trying to get your headspace into writing are really, really uh, not good. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the idea of a, a different space or a, a very dedicated space that you can even move around if it's a table in your house that you can move to a different place. Yes. So just and so you have a different view to look out the window or what have you. And there are those days, I think, when you just have to admit to yourself that I'm not I'm not feeling like super creative today mm -hmm. um, and accept that. But there are ways you can still work on your book. Yes. Um, and just know what those days are and say, all right, today I'm just going to maybe outline something or today I'm going to update my revision list. I love updating lists. I don't know about you, <laughs> like yes. checking things off and writing them down. Or, um, you know, I pick up my uh, Matt Bell Refuse to be Done book and I just do a word search for that or always, and I just delete words out of my manuscripts, you know, yes. um, that I don't need, or, um, you know, pick some kind of like administrative thing you're going to do that day instead that's not involving you being super creative or very productive, but you're doing something, you know? Absolutely. And 
that I, those days happen. In- and sometimes, sometimes doing that sort of thing, again, just staying there working might actually get you back. That's right. To that creative space. Um, I'm also a, a runner. Um, I don't quite do the distances that I used to do, but sometimes I'd wake up and be like, oh my God, I don't feel like running today. And the run I'd start out, I could be, be, barely move. Um, and I'd be like, oh, this is going to be a terrible run, but something has, something oftentimes will change Mm -hmm. or I'll start out like a great run and then I'll be hobbling at the end. And that can happen with writing too. So I do recommend just always, at least, you know, you wake up, you'd be like, oh, I don't feel like doing this. Get yourself in your space, try to do something because it might change. Um, instead of determining that whole day ahead of time, this is not going to be a good writing day. Allow yourself to be kind of, again, in the moment and awake to um, what might be working for you at that. And I think you can say to yourself, and I've done this, it's happened to me. I'm going to do 20 minutes. That's it. I don't feel like it. I don't have any ideas. I'm tired. I'm in, not in the mood. I just had a fight with somebody or just, you know, (laughs) I'm going to do 20 minutes. And then all of a sudden, two hours later, you know, yeah, exactly. exactly. It can happen. <laughs> yes. And I, if you, um, God, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, um, uh, when I was trying to learn guitar, which sadly I haven't been able to do anymore, my teacher, cause I had no time. And she's like, can you at least sit down for 10 minutes? And so I'd sit down and then I would start to enjoy myself and, and it would, I would spend much, much longer than 10 minutes. Um, so, so just try to get yourself started, um, can be really helpful. And um, promise yourself a treat afterwards. If yes, you, do it. Yes. you may or may not need, but yes, yeah, I love that. I love something that. to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Rutland in our Q and A is asking what a revision list is. And so if I'm hoping if this first 50 days goes well, that we might do another 50 days on revision, if I actually have the energy to do it. Um, so, um, but a revision list is after you have, um, after you finish your first draft and you've gotten your feedback, making a, a list of things that you want to work on, oftentimes from macro to micro concerns. And so when you sit down, you have this list and there's some days that you can't deal with the macro stuff. So you at least try to deal with maybe like somewhere in the middle. Um, uh, you do at least try to do something. And some days it might just be you're dealing with the micro stuff, like the word that, um, which is a word I hate um, in, in the book. Um, but it's nice to have that, that list of macro to micro. Um, and, and also just once you choose something on the list, like this is what I'm going to work on today, um, just working on that. Um, unless you unless you finish it, but just keeping that focus and working on that. And if your brain begins to go somewhere else, or your even your creative mind goes somewhere else, take a little note about the new idea of something else you figured out, and then go back to the point on the revision list that you want to work with. So hopefully, Anne, if we keep this going, um, we'll do another fifty um, after I get some sleep again um, on revision, and we'll see how that goes. Um, okay, I need to get you guys in your chairs working today so i hope every i hope this helps some of these tricks um and we'll also have if you if you look at the live recording which will be up for 24 hours um the chat and some of those ideas um will be up as well and so you'll be able to see those um you can also always listen to the podcast um which is on all podcast uh 
platforms. And if you share and follow and, and, and rate podcasts, that's going to get me even more back to doing another 50 days of this. Tomorrow, we're going to discuss what holds you back with author and Grub Street Education Director Dario Suarez. So there are very specific things that can hold back very certain writers um, in certain conditions and particularly with certain identities. So we're going to talk about that with Dario to see how to how they can empower themselves to get through and get writing done. And starting on Tuesday, we're going to spend a week discussing character building with writers Marjan Kamali, Steve Almond, Kate Reculia, Margot Livesey, Courtney Mom, Hank Philippi Ryan, Maurice Woofen, and a whole lot more. So you can find our full schedule at 7amnovelist.substack.com. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Tracy and Belle. Love having you on. And get writing, folks. I love to hear you writing. Good luck, everybody. Bye. Have you found what you lost? Have you lost what you found?